0: But I'm really grateful for that because that was really the springboard that made me have to look back at myself and say, hey, where do my gifts match somebody's needs? And if somebody's listening to this today, don't marginalize your capabilities as a leader. We are the tribe from the north, we're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals
1: never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference, watch out because here comes the silver and gold.
2: the club for the vandals of idaho welcome back tribe from the north brave and bold to the official unofficial podcast of your idaho vandals and your vandals affiliate on the big sky podcast network i'm your host chris hammond and with me today i have alex the boat boatman how you doing today alex fantastic saturday it is it is a fantastic saturday Joining us today we have a very special guest we have two time all whack the sixth all time leading tackler in Vandal history and pick number 252 in the 2008 NFL Draft, David Vibora. David, how are you doing today? Man, I'm good to be talking to anybody that loves Vandalville, man. Right, right. And uh, for those of you checking us out on YouTube, you'll see he's rocking the nasty inebriated shirt today too. So that's awesome. That's yeah. that's that's a Eat classic that
0: Boise. Eat that Boise man,
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, I love it. I just relocated back to Boise like two weeks ago, and I forgot how bronco centric this place is. Are you flying that vandal flag? Oh yeah, oh yeah. At work all day. It's it's fantastic. You gotta we gotta revandalize this city for sure. Yeah, we
0: do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh,
2: so today's episode, like all episodes, are brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing, light beer born in majestic Big Sky Country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. Supporting organizations like the C.W. Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw, that's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit montaukeycoldsnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. So, David, I mean, one of the Vandal greats. You played at a very interesting time uh, in the university. So I want to kind of start by taking it taking it back to the beginning. You're a Eugene native. Um, so I want to know, how did, how did a, a guy from Eugene end up at the University of Idaho? Yeah,
0: you know, this this guy named Nick Holt, most intense eyes of any coach I've ever played for. <laughs> Uh, he showed up one time in Eugene, Oregon to watch me play basketball, him and Jonathan Smith, uh, who was recruiting the state. And, um, you know, it was interesting. I, I don't know how much I really believed Nick at the time, if I'm honest, because he he turned, showed me a picture of Lofa Tatupu, who, right, packed all Pack 10 right, all pro, yeah, yeah. Seattle, just a stud linebacker. And he said, there's really no difference between you and this guy. I'm like 185 pounds, I mostly played quarterback, wasn't even really playing linebacker much. And he's like, you're gonna to come to Idaho, you're gonna play linebacker and, and you're gonna be an all-conference player. And I'll be honest with you, like it was the first time anyone believed in me to that effect. I was kind of like the cusp guy, like good, but is he good enough? And that kind of plagued me from high school to college, college to pro. But, it, it, you know, he had this thing and he was a great recruiter and he he convinced me. And really, I wanted to play at a D1 level. And most of my other ones, Oregon, Oregon State, some of those other places I was talking to were like at the last minute, hey, what we think you need to walk on, right? You'd have a reserve spot. But, and I'm like, man, no, I want my school paid for, my recruiting trip to Idaho. It's impossible to go to Moscow and not have a phenomenal time, right? Very fat, yeah. Remember all of what went down, (laughs) you know, at the Best Western and such, but- Nonetheless, uh, it sold me and I was in, and man, getting up there my first summer to start working out as a freshman, it just like clicked. I loved it. That's awesome.
1: Awesome. Awesome. You know, David, so you, you had the chance to play for three coaches in Idaho, which kind of a unique uh, unique thing for any college player to do. Um, how was it going from Nick Holt to, to Dennis Erickson that 06 season, which was so close, and, and Boise State game was close, to then having, you know, Coach, back to Coach Aikie, um kind of another great defensive personality. So how was that kind of from Holt to Erickson to Aiky?
0: You know, I'll tell you what, I think all three are great coaches. I think all three uh, certainly had their struggles up there in Idaho. I, I really wish Holt would have stuck it out because I think that um, the recruiting class is really on the cusp that third year as Erickson came in was really kind of paying the benefits of Holt's recruiting. Um, now, you know, Coach E was – was the man i love playing for coachy e. he just kind of came to me and was like what position do you want to play just run sideline to sideline and tackle people it's like oh okay yeah i'll do that um and then achie man i mean Akey's a player's coach too you know bubba hey bubba uh, i just had <laughs> a son and i find myself saying bubba to him i every single time i think of coach ache man i see a pic- picture of my jersey of coach Akey from senior year right up here on my wall so i have fond memories of all three i certainly feel like i learned a lot of lessons in life um those three men, obviously Erickson had a huge coaching history, but Aiky and Holt being kind of young head coaches, I learned a lot about when you can't trust um, what you can't control. Like these coaches, I think, tried to do too much. And that, and that, again, that's a natural thing. You see it in the pros, Pete Carroll's first stint with the Patriots steve spagnola with us at the rams i mean you see them trying to do everything and try to control everything i think that's the pitfall man it's just too dynamic of a game you have to trust your coaches trust your players and keep it simple man and anytime you get too exotic it causes people to be in their head and football is a game that you got to just shoot your gun shoot your gun play
2: fast yeah uh so you had a lot of starts i think you had 33 starts playing 45 games it's a lot of time you've played against like USC, Michigan State, against John L. Smith. Uh, what are some of your favorite games or memories from your playing days at Idaho?
0: Yeah, um, man, I'd say sacking Zebranski that, that year, my third <laughs> year, junior year for like fourth and 20-something. And, um, you know, I think we were down just a couple of points at that time. They ended up coming down driving, and then we gave up a, a quick one, and it, you know, kind of fizzled out in the last couple of minutes. But we were right there. And that feeling, the dome that day was just, to me, I mean, I played in Seattle, right? For the, with the 12th mm. man, essentially. I, I promise you guys, the dome that day was as loud as anywhere I've ever played. And it was standing room only. people were on people's shoulders, like it was just crazy. And um, that feeling of the crowd erupting with that sack was pretty powerful. Michigan State, I had like 16 tackles. And at the time, I'd had a stress fracture all of training camp. and wasn't really able to practice. And so to come out and play... of set the stage for some national recognition and and for me like you know we lost a lot of games you know like that sucked for sure and and it never got easy for me because i always showed up to compete and to win um but at the end of the day like it was really about the guys that i was with and i felt like I, i owed it to them and they always showed up and whether we won or not i always felt like there was great pride within the locker room uh, maybe not always work that into the win column, but it was still a, a really awesome experience. And some of those key highlight plays, um, a breakthroughs, New Mexico State and double overtime in Las Cruces—not <laughs> uh, a place you want to visit too often.
1: I'm um, not <laughs> to, to say
0: that on here either. I,
1: that comes I, up tell that. I hate I hate Las Cruces. Bad memories there. Only yeah,
0: yeah. I figured I figured they just kind of like carve that out as the other side of the border this Yeah, they should I anybody from New Mexico. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it that was a big one for us. I, I just, you know, those are the little moments of just like, hey, the game is fun, even if you, the scoreboard doesn't reflect that. And I always had to remember, like, don't lose the joy in the thing that you love, which is coming out to ball, playing sideline to sideline.
2: Yeah, and I just kind of want to follow up on that real quick because we kind of talked about, we had Max Ford on who was a, a D-end um, who kind of was in the, the same spot as you in a way where um he came in you know after the 09 season and then got to kind of watch the 2016 season bowl season happen and we kind of talked to him about like are you able to kind of realize at the time like when you were watching the team in 09 like that you are a huge part of that team even though you weren't on it because like you kind build that foundation especially with like Aki and getting that rolling yeah you know people like jojo dixon shiloh keo uh guys i still
0: talk to um you know mike Aipate, um, it, Eddie Williams, uh, Max Comar. I mean, those guys that got to experience that and got that win. Actually, my linebackers coach with the Rams at the time because it was it was I'm trying to think what time of day it was in St. Louis, but he let me out of meetings a little early so I could get – and I went to this bar and, like, there's no Vandal fans really in St. Louis where I was. <laughs> and I was losing it, man. And then, then we went for two and one, and, like, I, 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 I'm lucky I probably didn't get arrested, but it was – just as joyful as if I was on that team. And I took a lot of pride in that. And um, I still consider that one of the best college bowl games in history. Mm-hmm.
2: I agree. I think we did a poll on like yeah. favorite games ever. And I think that one won pretty handily. I mean, a lot of people like 16. Yeah. Like, 16, like, yeah, because we blew them out, it was fun. But I'm like, that 09 game was, I mean, entertaining from start to finish. That was great. And yeah. Freddie Barnes for Bowling Green played well. And then, have Max Comar, the star. Yeah. Play really bad, honestly, that whole game, but then come up clutch at the end. It's like that's one fairy tale right there.
0: That's yeah. the lesson. And I think you see whether it's pro or college talent. It's it's the people that are able to like, hey man, I may have had the worst game of my life, but there's still the next play, and I'm not gonna stop.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned some places that you had you know, be fond or non fond memories. Maybe what are some of the more enjoyable uh places you got to play in your time at Idaho being in the whack the whole time? Hawaii? Uh, well, I mean, like, Hawaii as <laughs> a freshman. I remember <laughs> it was, like,
0: it was the end of the last game of the year, and it was, like, you know, releasing. Uh, it was, like, uh, uh, what was that? But Lord, uh, Lord of the Flies. It was, like, releasing a oh, yeah. bunch of boys out on Waikiki. It was just, like – and, actually, I'll tell you a fun story. We played UNLV. I think it was my second year. I think I was a sophomore. And on takeoff, um, we hit a bird. The windshield cracked the front windshield of the plane. You guys ever heard this story? No. Okay, so it cracks the wind, like literally, like loose pressure, like cabin pressure, things drop down. we'd circle tight, we make an emergency landing. It was already a night game, and our plane had to be fixed. We couldn't get another charter. So they literally pulled us onto the strip and put us next like next to a strip club was our hotel. And you want to talk about releasing like the <laughs> I think all of our coaches went to the building next door, and all of the guys went out onto the strip. And without naming too much uh, <laughs> specifics, it was quite the experiences. Uh, I, I don't even know if I was, if I was 20 <laughs> at the time. But yeah, Vegas, Hawaii. Um, you know what? We played in some little podunk towns in Louisiana, man Lafayette, Monroe. Uh, Been there. Yeah. And like, it was just I, the South is cool, man. The, yeah. Its own is like its own nation like for yeah. real, they always have their own language. It's, it's wild. But that, that experience of being like on the bus and going in these locker rooms, uh, we played at um, uh, middle Tennessee state. And I swear like the second the clock ticked all of a sudden the student body rushed onto the field. It wasn't like a close game for any celebration. Stage rolls out, big boy comes out with a mic and just starts. And I remember being like in my pads and I couldn't even make it to the visitor locker room and being like, do I just kind of hang out? Cause this is like, this is cool, man. Big boys. <laughs> yeah. I, I think sometimes I almost remember more about my college career than I do about the pro
2: career. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that kind of brings us into the pro career. Uh, take us through draft day. Cause I mean, you're one of only a handful well, more than a handful, but a very unique set of people I mean, what were, were you already on the phone with agents and everything when you got picked, you know, two fifty two? or did you have some free agent stuff lined up? How did that whole process go? And I mean, the feeling yeah. you had, you're the last one called on draft day.
0: Yeah, it was a wild Sunday. You know, I, I was kind of slated mid to late round pick. I think I had I played golf with my dad the day before. I didn't really pay much attention, had my phone on, uh, but then you're in the last parts of the late parts of the rounds and. Yeah, you're talking with your agent about you know and teams were calling saying hey if we get the chance you're next and then it would pass or hey we see you as this free agent but like keep us at the top of your list because it's about making the team even if you don't get drafted and, and i could hear that hear that um and then i got the call from coach linehan right scott linehan obviously vandal himself legend in his own right love scott and he's like hey in a minute here like the TV is going to go nuts and you're going to be the last pick. And I don't care about this title or anything. We need you like, know that know that you, you're going to be an integral part to what we're building here. And um, I like knocked on the TV and pointed inside. Cause I, you know, I don't know if it was a draft party, but my parents had drove up to Moscow, all the you know, guys, friends were around. I think most of my friends were probably passed out by the time that this pick was actually like called out. Uh, but I pointed up at the TV and at the time they were showing, I think it was an army um, player and like everybody thought it was going to be him. And like, inside, my folks were like, oh, man, this is sad. Like, he thinks it's going to be him, and it's, it's not. And then the pick came across, and they all barreled out. I'm getting tackled. Coach is still on the phone. Um, <laughs> but for me, like, from the moment that happened, I didn't know what Mr. Irrelevant was. Uh, somebody in the last second was like, hey, I heard you win a car if you're the last pick. And I'm like, I had, like, a moped of in Moscow, the little, like, scoot, scoot. Uh-huh. Um, and... <laughs> And I'm like, I would love a car, man. I don't care what it is. Like, that'd be amazing. And we looked it up and it's like, no, there's no car, but there's this whole irrelevant week out in California and you know, Disneyland and Playboy Mansion and like gifts and driving Lamborghinis, all this cool stuff where they celebrate you. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll take it. And for me, it was an opportunity at a platform where you almost got more, actually, you certainly got more recognition than most of the seventh, sixth or seventh round. And I was like, man, I'm gonna use this to my benefit.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because you, like said, you get like a free media platform there, where you're going to get microphone shoved in your face, and now every year on draft day, your name still pops up every year. Yeah, where the guy thinking for you, nobody knows who he is. Chris, it's
0: a good point for me. I was I was really bent on changing the statistics about Mister Irrelevant, um, and then when I got to St. Louis, it was like one week there, and the community relations department said, "Hey, would you be willing to go talk to this elementary school of kids?" Said sure. And I went in and I said, How many of you guys have ever been the last pick on the playground? You know, tons of hands. And I said, Look, I'm the I was the last pick last Sunday night. It's not going to stop me. It's not going to stop you. So I still, and and even in the work that I do today with people that have suffered, you know, traumatic injuries and we train them for free in our gym. Like this is an opportunity for people to take the perceived disadvantage and play it to their advantage. You know, maybe I wasn't always the strongest or fastest, but I was going to watch more film. I was going to have Angles and pursuits that I knew I could get to the ball and make those plays. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, yeah. You kind of touched on that Mr. Relevant stuff, but I kind of want to go into you know. There's no guarantee once you're drafted that that you're going to make the roster. That 53, that number 53 is so so crucial. And I, I have the luxury of one of my good friends and old teammates at Idaho, Caden Ellis, also a linebacker drafted in the seventh round, round pick 245 he's on 53 for the last two years for the saints kind of what goes into making that 53 and you played, I mean, you know, you played made some contributions to that Rams team kind of how difficult is that to go from Mr. Relevant to going like now, okay, I gotta, I gotta make this 53 and, and uh, play on specials and get on the field. And it
0: takes everything. If you want to know what it takes, it takes everything and some more that you didn't know you had and throw a couple of toenails in there. Um, it's, <laughs> You know, for me, like I got hurt early in preseason, had a high low ankle sprain, and, and and like last preseason game, I played like the whole game on you know I don't know maybe a fifty percent ankle, which showed grit, but by all means, I, I made the fifty three. Got some guys hurt. Tip, it's a numbers game, right? Early on, and and I got released, was back on the practice cut, which actually gave me a chance to heal. Then came back and actually was able to start a game my rookie year. And so I think that like the mental preparedness of like, hey, my number's gonna be called. I know it's coming and I'm not gonna be surprised when it does. All I needed was a foot in the door. Let me use, you know, I kind of consider, I I say it like this I learned this from a Navy SEAL buddy of mine. He calls it the achieving average. Um, Not an average achiever, but the achieving average. Someone that knows they're moderately talent uses hard work, right? Because the mountain humbles all people at some point. And, And if you're ready when that part hits, Right. You can actually supersede those that are more talented than you. Um, and so that that was really my means for the recipe of success and just finding people that have been in the league a while and getting in their hip pocket. Um, you know, as a as a rookie, having guys like Orlando Pace, Tori Holt, um, Ike Bruce was done at that point, but was around St. Louis and a lot of those guys. Jackson.
2: Um, you know, Hall of Famers and it's helped Yeah, uh, yeah. I just remember, like, on draft day, for me, like, being super excited for you. But as a Seahawks fan, <laughs> it's hard, yeah. hard to see you go to the Rams. But uh, I mean, I kind of, like, I ended up with that side of the game. I, no, I, I ended up, up there. You did. And I was gonna say, so, like, growing up in mean, Eugene, were you a Seahawks fan or? You know, actually, I was a Niners fan. Oh. I, so uh, Weird. I was a big
0: guy. <laughs> Jerry Rice was, was who I was going to be until I realized I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not going to be Jerry Rice. Uh, okay. But Jerry Rice uh, was, was it. Uh, just, you know, Montana, you know, uh, C. Young, the, the, whole, the whole gamut of Niners that they had out there was always a team. Um, but that, again, being able to go back into the Pacific Northwest where I was from and, uh, and play up there was a dream come true. Um, you know, it was cool to be on the opposing side, uh, coming into a hostile environment, and then be on the home side. And using that noise uh, for your benefit. Just there's no stadium quite like that stadium.
2: Yeah. Uh so I kinda wanna know we touched on your your Vandal days, but what are some of your favorite NFL moments? I mean, you had a yeah. what four year career, so you beat the average. Uh, and like you said, you played on a pretty interesting Rams team. You got to play against the Seahawks, the Niners, and um yeah, now now St. Louis doesn't even have a football team anymore. So you were one of the you know, yeah. last couple of players to get to play in St. Louis.
0: Yeah, it was, you know, the pro career, certainly my first sack ever in a game was against, uh, well, I'd done, done one against Carson Palmer, but that was in preseason. And so then it was, it was Hasselbeck. So we were playing the Seahawks and it was right the first year they'd done like the pink gloves for cancer, you know, their, oh, like, yeah. Awareness. and like after the play, I'd done some big celebration and the picture, that picture was on the St. Louis post-dispatch the next morning, like huge picture of it. And, uh, yeah, that felt like that sticks out of my head. Uh, There was a play where when the Saints had Shockey, he was coming across it. We had blitzed. He was coming across the middle. I was hot to three to cover him. And, like right as the ball came, it blew him up. And the ball popped out. We picked it off and ran into the house. So certainly some standout plays like that. But, um, you know, people say this, and I, I guess I didn't take it to heart when it was like in high school. High school is the purest level of ball. Just it is. It is the purest level of ball and college is is really cool because it's like you spend so much time with those guys in so many ways that you really like you feel that brotherhood and then in the pros right it's certainly a business but the the, the gravity of the whole thing the magnanimous kind of experience of it all uh there's nothing like it like running down on kickoff at century link field is yeah you know, I, don't, I don't know what feels better than that man there's no drug that can compare to that so um, I, I, I would say maybe it was some of the brain injuries that I experienced in the pros too, <laughs> that wiped some of the memories, but most of my memories would be, uh, in and around high school and college more than even pros, but honored to play the game and, and to play against some guys that I know are going to be in the hall of fame. And, you know, it's always fun to brag to your kids in that, right? My girls don't care. They're like, okay, <laughs> where's my baby hopefully, hopefully
1: my little man. will appreciate that when he gets old enough. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so David, usually a lot of people would say like NFL and like the pinnacle of what you can do with your career. For you, what you've achieved after the game has almost been more, has been more impactful on people's lives than what you achieved during the game. Um, you run this, this foundation, you're a motivational speaker. Kind of just talk to our listeners about what you do and how important it is.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you. Um, I certainly feel it's, it's the most significant work of my life. Um, have had success in different arenas, both literally and metaphorically, and, and standing on stages and telling the story of what the population that I serve has taught me is the ethos, is kind of the the why that I live out, which is the idea that, um, you know, we all have to be able to realize that our greatest gifts uh, can be repurposed and or directed toward dealing hope, to, to literally look somebody in their eyes and treat them like a whole person, especially, man, like, what a right time to say this message the way that the world and society is today. Right. And I think that the work of, you know, these wounded warriors, these guys coming home, missing limbs, spinal cord injuries. Like I didn't serve. I come from three generations of Marines. Uh, my grandfather, 31 years in the core certainly would have served had I not played football. And so, um, for me to, you know, if you treat someone broken, they act broken. And right? if you look someone in their eyes, you treat them as a whole person. They're empowered to show up as that person. Now you can take, um, you know, like I can't regrow somebody's legs, but they, I can get them to tap back into a physicality that reminds them that they, they're still the same person that had the opportunity to go lead from the front. And it may look different, but but that, that new arena for them is like, whoa, OK, so David had this identity crisis leaving football. And he wondered like, man, where do I go from here? Right. You've reached the, what you consider the pinnacle. And that's a scary thing. That's a scary moment. But a lot of these veterans felt the same type of thing. So although we, you know, the battlefield was different and, and trust me, I'm not trying to marginalize the real battlefield because what they did was the real battlefield, mm-hmm. but football, that, that opportunity, that brotherhood, that feeling is similar. So to replicate that in a gym atmosphere, the gym's always been my sanctuary. Um, it, it, it was cool to watch now veterans, civilians, amputees, spinal cord injuries. You know, the whole gym is agnostic of really you know, gender, sexual preference, race. Like it is inclusive, man. And mm-hmm. when you give access to people from unique experiences of suffering, they see that there's a purpose in their pain that they can actually help somebody alleviate the similar suffering they had to go through. Now, they can't take the pain from somebody, but like I, I studied psychology at the University of Idaho. So what I call this is sweat psychology. You know, <laughs> the gym, time, and discipline. You can change the physical body, but it's mm-hmm. about learning about this piece while you're doing it. You know, the mental, the emotional and, and how you show up, realizing that life's going to deal you a hand i mean look at COVID, this pandemic like nobody expected like the rug to be pulled out like this and yet it's about us not to look at what we can't do but to focus on what we can with what we have and where we are and then take the next right step and and you know for the people and, and it's okay to not be okay it's okay my whole message is really around kind of brokenness and vulnerability i had a gnarly opiate addiction when i got out of the league to go through a terrible seven-day detox at a hospital in Seattle. I lost 34 pounds and two seizures, like really ugly. But I'm really grateful for that because that was really the springboard that made me have to look back at myself and say, hey, where do my gifts match somebody's needs? And if somebody's listening to this today, don't marginalize your capabilities as a leader Uh, because it's easy. What, what, What that little whisper in your head does is tell you like, oh, there's somebody more qualified. I had never worked with an amputee in my life right? When I met Staff Sergeant Travis Mills, one of five living quadruple amputees that got blown up, lost all four limbs. And so I get, you probably can't tell that I'm passionate about this at all, but (laughs) I get ramped up because like to, to, to watch the life come back to somebody who felt like they were just supposed to take victim on a silver platter, right? Go home, be on the couch, take their disability, take their pills and just, that's it? Like, man, no. And to watch people now galvanize this new transformation and new identity and be proud of some of those stars, man, that's, that's when limitless human potential shows up. Yeah.
2: Guy, you are, yeah. I mean, it is crazy listening to you. I mean, you can tell like, yeah, your passion comes through the, the way you're able to motivate and everything. And yeah, I had never put like two and two together in how veterans feel coming back from like, you have just been at war, that was your purpose. Now you're supposed to be a civilian. And like what you said is like it's very different. Obviously, being in war compared to playing in the NFL. But for most people, when you leave the NFL, you're like, now what? Some of them never finished school. Others, maybe they did, but their degrees in communication. Do they go get a minimum wage entry level job, or do they try to, you know, right. do something? Yeah, exactly. And so it was crazy. I never thought of it like that, and it is it is crazy. I like what you said about like what you, your skills match up with somebody else's needs. And well, wow. think
0: about it like this, Chris. Like if you know, uh, basket weaving saved your life. Well, you better go basket weave and teach somebody else because it could save their life. It's yeah. it's it's crazy because it's like we think about like, oh, to do service, I have to go start an orphanage in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. But no, no, no. Do what you're passionate about, but do it for the purpose of someone to make them feel worth it. You know, I, I'll tell you a quick short story. I was walking into a 7-Eleven one night and with a buddy of mine, commented your Marine, homeless guy runs up to us as we're walking in. And I'll be honest, I kind of wrote the guy off and went in the door. But I look back and I see my friends kind of cornered. So I, I doubled back and, and my buddy reaches into his pocket because the guy's begging for money and, and he reaches, pulls a $5 bill out and hands it out to the guy. The guy grabs it, hasn't looked my buddy in the eye really because he's just kind of ashamed, head down. And my buddy doesn't let go of the bill. And so this homeless guy's standing there trying to pull in the bills, but it, it, it literally forces him to kind of look up and my buddy lets go. The guy takes the money, my buddy looks at him and goes, hey, you're worth it. That looks kind of starts to go toward me and into the store doubles back, looks at my friend and says, what'd you say to me? Real casually, a buddy, Jake reaches down, he lifts up his pants, leg, revealing a prosthetic foot. He says, what I did for this country is what I did for you is, is, is this. And it's you're worth it. And, and I want you to know you're worth that money. And the guy literally, I'm like, you know, cause I'm watching this thing go down this interaction and the guy turns not into seven 11, but down around the corner and out of sight. And in this moment, like back to that deal, I watched hope being dealt, right? He treated somebody, he was humane to humanity. He treated didn't treat him as less than he what he did, and I know I no real relevance to the money or the amount of money, it was just that moment in that exchange. So yeah. I'd encourage people like when we're head down, eyes down, hands closed, you can't receive whatever's right in front of you to make somebody else's day. And most times it makes yours. It's super freaking simple, sounds crazy cliche, but if you live like that what orchestrates in your life is this connect the dots of opportunity and new evoke passion and and, and purpose in everything that you do.
2: That's awesome.
1: Awesome. Yesterday I saw on your socials, uh, you the ATF games, you know, kind of, kind of what are those and how have you seen this foundation grown and this the, your organization grown over the last few years? Yeah, it's freaking awesome,
0: man. They've, they, um, so atf game so our nine-week program right we put 15 or so adaptive athletes together you know mixed from all different backgrounds and um you know they train three days a week individually and then a collective group um and about midway through the program we actually bring our staff into what is kind of this like gauntlet of of exercise and it's just that type of deal where you're like you there's puke buckets all around the gym and um And yeah, we get after it. And really what it shows them is like they have to go to that place in their mind and we give them a lot of tools and and kind of building up to this, but then they get to export them and see where they're at. And they always eclipse, you know, massively what they thought was possible. You know, doctor's diagnoses um, and just the own mental limitations that they put on themselves. And so, you know, these growth producing fear encounters, because when we get to that pain point, there's like a governor, there's something in our brain that shuts us down for safety and survival. But those that have the fortitude, the grit, and capacity to supersede that, to go beyond that, they discover their new, deeper level of potential. And that's what I think these athletes represent, at least to me. It's like a soul mirror. It's like, all right, I just saw that. What are you leaving on the table? You know, because inspiration is cool. It's a great hit, but it washes off. It's, it's how do you convert that into aspiration in your own life? And these athletes have proven that to me time and time again. And I, I call this, this whole adaptive thing more of a movement. You know, we have a big 20,000 square foot gym up here in, in uh, Texas, or down here in Texas, I should say. Yet, i watched so many, because of the power of social media and the message and the videos, like you saw at the ATF games yesterday, there's this wave of people going like, hey, I'm going to open my gym to people like this too. And, you know, my vision's never been to plant chapters of gyms all across the world because there's enough brick-and-mortar gyms. I just want to train people to open their doors to this population because that inclusive nature is how we change perspective. And I think that's how we create progress, um, and, and that's where again you're going to create friendships and, and relationships that are so much more meaningful than if we were to just stay on the surface. Because when we sweat and do hard things together, it forms a bond, you know. And and, and you know that there's this like kind of wall that's up. No matter how, how you know confident you are that you don't judge, that you don't have any of these um, systemic racism, you know, kind of feelings in your head, whether whether you're conscious of them or not, there's a real good way to flush them out. And it's to do hard things with people
2: different than you. Yeah, that's that's probably the best way to put that, actually. Like right um, after
0: 9-11, think about what we went through and think about the way everybody came together.
2: Yeah. You know, yeah, it I, yeah.
0: You take something like that.
2: Yeah. Alex, you got anything else?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I don't want to take me more of this man's precious time. I know he has a newborn. I know he has a newborn at home. Right. You see he's the right newborn? Right.
0: He's like Mike I size, dude. He
1: is—he's
0: <laughs> like barely ten weeks old, and he's wearing six, seven-month stuff. He—I uh, think he's got a bright future, man. Somewhere, his name's Field, also. So there's that. So, so Field
1: might—he's gonna, gonna be a Sam linebacker and play the field, right? That's it. Hey, I
0: maybe a right. defensive end. Maybe he'll be a, a three-four guy, kind of that that hybrid. Hey, so maybe
2: maybe he'll sack Win Wilson one of these days.
0: <laughs> oh, win. I like hey,
2: I the question. is the uh is mark
0: in the corner club still good during covid times tubs are still yep, flowing yeah.
2: they, they are good and actually they just launched a new website where you can buy apparel online now it first just time. launched i think on wednesday so first time i'm grateful it, for that i, I uh
0: I, I used to go there and play some shuffleboard thursday nights before uh <laughs> before we would play and and I, I abstained from the booze just because I was getting ready for games, but there was more than a couple of frat guys that I took some money from in that effect. So <laughs> maybe that helped me pay a little bit of stuff on the side. Yeah. Hey, so hey.
1: That's, where I, that's where I always went to shuffleboard. I don't think yeah. I ever, yeah. The only time I ever lost was a little local.
2: Hey, there's not a better table in the world. I have yet to find a table that, that plays that as well table, as a table.
1: That is true. That table is perfect.
2: Like, they need to yeah. take that to, like, the world championships and people need to find <laughs> that table and then fly it back <laughs> to the corner club.
0: I think so much beer has spilled underneath it. It's literally cemented. like yeah, deep You'd have to get a jackhammer to get it out of there. <laughs> I love that uh, you guys are doing this, man. I know it's hard right now without the football season, but um, yeah, we're hopeful that things get back on track and I'm hopeful that Vandals can uh, really continue some winning ways.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we want to thank you for coming on and, and all the yeah. Vandals. Like I said, with our football going on, it really made us change our course. And we've been very you know, surprised with, like the likes of yourself, Rob Akey, Kristen Armstrong. We've had some really awesome people that have all just said, yes, of course. Um, she's going to show. How we're working on our- we, it. I'll,
0: I'll, I'll, I'll text him. I'm going to get on him. Wow. What about Kramer? And we oh, we have good. not reached
2: out to Kramer, but we should
0: Kramer's a nut dude. Kramer <laughs> is an absolute, every single time I, t- I mean, he is still sharp. Like his mental, I mean, his hands are like, literally like the most hardcore thing I've ever felt in my whole life. When you shake yeah. his hands out. But- He's a legend too. He'd be a great one. Yarno would be a great one. Yeah. Let me know if you guys need any help. We'll knock on some doors.
2: Yeah, dude. We, we appreciate awesome. that, David. Um, so, well, real quick, before we go, how can people get in touch with you or yeah. find you? Or if they want to be a part of what you're doing, uh, what's the best way for them to go about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, social media is a great way. I try
0: to do my best to keep up on messages and such coming in. Uh, but, but I'd say this, follow Adaptive Training Foundation. You can go to AdaptiveTrainingFoundation.org. But there's social media. I mentioned those those hits of inspiration. And and if that can help you, there's certainly a lot of that through the telephone that you can find on those social channels. Um, and and realistically, man, I I think there's a lot of content out there too that you can search on YouTube and and things around the the work that I've been doing. But you know, my my kind of send-off would be this you know, don't wait to feel qualified to to do something that scares you, especially if it's in the benefit of somebody else. And just watch how your life starts to expand in a way that you never really thought. And you never really thought that you could feel so good because that's the story of my life. And yeah, man, I'm just always looking for new ways to do that.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, David. Well, Hey, thanks Thank for
2: coming on. Thank um, you so much. Thanks for all you do around the world and for everybody. Uh, we're grateful you had, you know, you took some time to have a tub with us at the club.
1: Yeah, boys. <laughs> all right. We'll talk soon. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Right. Go Vandals. Thank you. Go Vandals. All
2: right. Awesome. So, Dude, he's like, I knew he was doing motivational stuff, and like I've seen uh, some yeah. of it, but and yeah. I wasn't even like motivational talk, but just like the way
1: he goes about and just the energy he delivers everything with is insane. Uh, you know, I haven't listened to, you know, I know we have some others coming out, but I, that could be my, my favorite right there. Like, he's just such a good speaker, mm-hmm. um, and everything that he does, you know, to from what he did at Idaho to he's one of the best linebackers we've had in Idaho yeah. in our history, like yeah. straight up the amount of tackles he had. I think he almost led the country and tackles one year i think he got pretty close yeah and then you know to be drafted have an okay career in the nfl you know hit some lows but then to completely just go back out of that valley and what he does for people now is amazing and I'm proud to say he's a he's a vandal you know
2: yeah and hey, dude i i've got to check but if he's not in the vandal hall of fame like that's got to change i mean what oh, he's stats alone but just what he's done off the field has just yeah. that. but I know the hall of fame is only a couple years old at this point I, th- I think we're coming up on a decade but um it would be interesting to see the criteria i know they always ask for nominees every year i gotta remember that he,
1: because he, so he, he gave a he gave convocation i think in um 2017 so convocation is for the freshmen uh, when they come into idaho it's like they're you know not the opposite of commencement you know when yeah. you come into idaho it's for the freshmen and so he came in and gave the convocation speech but then he also came and talked to the team and then he did another little little um talk with like 20 people my advisor from my from my college was like hey go to this and that's how I kind of met him more personally and mm-hmm. you know connected with him and that's how we were able to kind of get him on and still every time i hear him talk it does, it doesn't it doesn't get old to me he's just no, such a just, great speaker with a great message
2: just the energy man i mean dude maybe gosh, maybe we need a co-host
1: <laughs> his energy i know right? i know i know right well <laughs> i think he has 3 or 4 kids now you know, yeah. and he's just still still just out there doing everything, and so love seeing the shirt too. Love hearing the corner club story. Right. It was always Dude, great, yeah. so great,
2: and it just goes to show, like sometimes you have an idea of these guys because, like, he was gone by the time I got there, and obviously by the time you yeah. got there. Um, but just to, like actually interact with them and hear the stories, and hear that they still go to the club, and uh, you know, just stuff in Moscow, it, it's so cool to hear. But um, yeah. modern football, we got some news. We got about twenty minutes until we hit our, our little hour mark rumors hot rumors basically confirmed rumors that southern Utah will be announcing shortly they will be FCS independent and joining all sports into the Western Athletic Conference which the Western Athletic Conference is basically leaked that they are looking to add enough schools to make a AQ FCS conference so um, obviously right now they have Tarleton State they have Dixie State sounds like they're adding southern Utah that leaves four schools needed to be
1: able to get mm-hmm. that AQ. Did you say they're going independent for a second? Is that what you said?
2: Yeah. They'll be going FCS independent until the (laughs) Waxboxers football.
1: So this season, will that be – are they still going to be Big Sky in
2: the spring? I think it will be – yeah, I think it's going to be like how North Dakota did. I think they'll have to exit based off, I think, the next three years. I mean, we don't really know. They haven't announced it yet. Apparently this leaked before they had even told presidents. Um they're supposed to have a meeting with the presidents in like two weeks ago over the spring season. And this was supposed to be something they were going to bring up, and it's gotten out. So, but from pretty reliable sources, uh, the first source I'd never heard of, but it's been confirmed by some people. I think it's legit happening. So,
1: yeah, I think Southern Utah's gone. Um, but what I think is most interesting is all right, the wacky's is now at three football schools. Mm-hmm. How do they get to six? And um, so, Aruk now put the big guy at, how many football schools with Southern Utah gone? 12. 12 and then 10 in all, in all other sports, correct? Yes. 12 and no. 10? Okay.
2: No. Yeah. We're at 11, aren't we?
1: Well, we'll be at 10 once Southern Utah is gone.
2: No, that's correct. Yes, correct.
1: Yeah. So we're going to 12 and 10. So what happens, you know, the so WAC is trying to get to six. Threes, they need three. We know New Mexico State's not dropping for the foreseeable future. That's kind of been confirmed to us by people we've talked to. Um, and something's yes. going to have to really change for them to want to go down to FCS. Like the money's going to have to drive at FBS. Their basketball program makes enough money anyway from always making the tournament and being like an 11 seed and basically almost winning the game every time. Yeah. Um, so they're they're solid financially. How do they get those other three spots? We're talking move-ups. Anyone in the, the GNAC, the West Coast? you know, D2 league, the league that can move up. You know, I don't know if Central is there or if Western Oregon's there. I, I, I don't would know like
2: if, to see Central do it.
1: I think, yeah, I don't know if it's
2: there. Yeah, I don't either. And they've done a pretty nice job of running yeah. their stadium like two, three years ago. Don't It's not a big sky stadium. And that's why I, no. I don't want them in the big sky. And I think it would be interesting because I'd like to keep Eastern. But I think that would be weird for them, especially with Eastern's financial stuff, to not go wherever Central is. Whole different can of worms, but I think Central possibly is a school you could look at. When you compare to some of the East Coast FCS schools, it makes you realize that their attendance in their stadium isn't actually all that small. Um, it, it would definitely pass as an FCS conference yeah, stadium.
1: I, mean, I, I feel like our, our our picture of FCS stadiums is very much skewed towards like what Montana does or even yeah. like what Idaho does yeah. versus there's some FCS stadiums back east like Georgetown in D.C., plays in like a 2000 seat stadium. Yeah. The, well, Hills-
2: Hillsboro would look nice to some of these schools.
1: Yeah, it, exactly. I think I think what's interesting is there's a lot of different ways this can go. You know, I've heard rumbling that Sac state wants out of the out of the big sky. Granted, does that look like them trying to join the big West in all sports and then dump the football in the whack? Probably. That'd probably be their first choice. because um, why would they want to go to play Rio Grande in basketball? Couldn't tell you. The right. WAC is a better basketball conference than the Big Sky. We can say that flat out. We can look at the RPI. Everything that they finish, the WAC finishes ahead of us every year, mainly because of New Mexico State, Grand Canyon's no slouch. Neither is Utah Valley. Neither is Seattle U of basketball. Yeah. Um, but where the where the WAC goes from here, do they go after Sac State? Do they go after Cal Poly and UC Davis' as football only members? Is there you know a, a central-type school that can move up? Um, I know there's a D2 league in Colorado to, like, Colorado Pueblo move up. Yeah. We've talked about West Texas A and M. Texas A and M Commerce made the D two national title a couple of years ago. Yeah. There's a the WAC can move a lot of different directions here, whether it be yeah. D two existing FCS schools that are in the Big Sky, maybe even a Southland school that you know they yeah. can try to pry away. I think the WAC has a lot of room here, but getting that domino to fall to Southern Utah proves their validity that they can get this done. Yeah, and, and I and I don't hate it because now if all of a sudden maybe three schools and football league that's a nice round robin schedule in the big sky everyone can play each other nine teams is a perfect football number if you play eight conference games and
0: then you, get you have, have a true true
1: hands. true champion and you get three out of conference and that's just less teams that we have to compete with that, you know in our conference for a money b to try and make it to a playoff in both football and basketball i mean i i don't i don't hate it for us in the big no. sky it- and, and it it kicks out some teams we don't want to play. All that. Yeah, I was gonna say, and not to be an
2: elitist or anything here, but like, I'm trying to make every Big Sky stadium, Cedar Rapids or River or wherever they are, like, was going to be one of my last stops. Like, I would rather go to Greeley than Cedar. Rap- I've heard it. I've heard it's nice, but like, I just getting all the way down there. I've heard it's not easy to get to, and like, I would much rather yeah. go to St. George when we play Dixie State than Southern Utah. And yeah, so like pride wise like i don't think losing them hurts at all they had one good season since they've been in um yeah the only thing it really hurts is like nau having kind of a more natural based rival but yeah i mean i don't think losing nau is that or uh southern utah is that big of a deal now like you said it brings up do other schools start looking and obviously the big one there is what would nau do now they've got 40 years with the big sky they joined the same year boise state did back in nineteen seventy. So they have a very long history with us. However, they have their swimming and diving and a couple other sports in the Western athletic conference. And then you look at it with Southern Utah joining Grand Canyon, UVU, that whole far. yeah, all those schools are geographically by Flagstaff. I think that creates a weird little problem where what do they do? I mean, it might make more sense for them to go to the whack, but if you're the big sky, I think that's a mistake. Just having mm-hmm. a school that size who does actually commit to athletics, there are schools you let go, like Northern Colorado, who I actually think fits our geographical footprint better. But if it came up to NAU or Northern Colorado, I'd much rather we keep.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather us lose like Sac State and Northern Colorado and Southern Utah than NAU, you know. So I feel like Sac State's a weird school to be in the big sky, you know. Yeah. It, this doesn't feel, you know, the big sky feels like an inner mountain conference yeah. type thing. The
2: first big sky, like big besides, long, like straight highways. Besides
1: like Portland State, which, you know, nowhere else they could really go. I unless they're part of this, unless they they're paid, part of this whole thing.
2: Portland State going to the whack, man.
1: That first that you know, Seattle
2: U becomes a rivalry in basketball. Yeah,
1: you know, um one thing if this does happen, let's say I think there's a good chance that as the the Big Sky could be down to nine and nine. Nine football, nine basketball that happens I would love to see us go after a Seattle U go after a basketball school because this is from when we were in the WAC nine is a great number for football It's a crappy number for basketball because you want everyone to have a pairing that home and home that, that yeah. pairing for for travel so like when they come and play like Eastern they play Eastern on Thursday they play Idaho on Saturday. that's yeah. kind of how it works usually in basketball scheduling um, so we would I don't know where we would try to find a team I don't know who that could be. Um, but I would That's love so to if that day, maybe maybe we could convince Seattle. It's like you want to go to Rio Grande? Do you want to go down to southern Texas? Yeah, or do you wanna play
2: Idaho and Eastern and Portland Eastern, and Montana, Montana. Who, even if you're there, you go you're gonna get ticket sales. I mean,
0: yeah. I don't know if you went yeah. to
2: either of the basketball games this year, but we're not on the schedule for Seattle U conference wise, but both the women's right. and men's game had a ton of vandals there. They made gate revenue right. off playing Idaho. That I'd love to see
1: us try to I'd love to see us try to grab a, uh, a, a, if this does happen, this is like all speculative, mm-hmm. but I think we could, I think we could actually see this. Yeah. This doesn't seem well, that far fresh me for Sac State to want to leave the conference. Yeah. And if you're the other two California schools and that's what Sac State does, why would you yeah. stay in football? Yeah, it and, if make keep, it.
2: and if you keep Portland state, maybe you go for Portland for basketball.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that'd be, that'd be fantastic where you had, yeah. you know, It'd be crappy for NAU and UNC because that's what you would end up with. You end up with NAU and UNC paired. But you'd yeah. have Portland. You have Portland State, Seattle U, Eastern Idaho, the Montanas, Weber in Idaho State, and then you end up with I guess UNC and NAU if that's how yeah. it stayed. But flight from Denver to from Denver to um, Phoenix couldn't be that bad. So, yeah.
2: and I mean, you think about it too, like if you played both Portland schools, like that actually be a fun little weekend for everybody. Like they look forward to that week. Like Thursday night, we're playing Portland State saturday we're playing portland sunday we're flying out like you get a nice couple days in portland that would be an easy pairing i guess i would just be whether the pilots are interested in that which oh uh, yeah
1: i don't know be, if, but... i don't know if they would be but um you know i i and also but if, and if you are one of these schools that get quarter by the whack and you are like Cal Poly or uc davis you go wait a minute instead of utah like i'm competing against 13 teams here for probably three spots usually max in the fcs playoffs yeah. Now you're competing at six. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go take this. I'm going to go take the six. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to no, go a hundred
2: percent. Football wise. I mean, that's why I'm going with this is like the big sky will definitely come out of this better because we have the Montana's
1: mm-hmm.
2: Idaho and Eastern and Weber, like Weber's not going. I mean, that would be, if we let Weber get persuaded by the whack, that would just be an absolute failure by the conference. Speaking of well, they're in Farmingville, or Farmville, like,
1: Yeah, and – Armington, sorry. (laughs) And, and, you know, Weber, uh, basketball-wise, would fit nicely in the whack. I hate hate to say it. That would be a uh, hell of a basketball conference. You you can't let them
2: go. At that that, that point, you've got to find a way to sweeten their deal and be like, yo, you guys are a cornerstone in this conference. Maybe not always in football right now you are, but basketball-wise, can't let you leave. You fit the footprint. You're an easy travel. You're a big school. Yeah, I mean, I think my ideal situation, it would suck to lose UC Davis because they do have – unlimited potential it feels like
1: they do but as long as we never have them full time yeah. you know i'm never gonna hold on to them that yeah. much
2: yeah and what people don't remember is if we have another western fcs conference you're still gonna play these schools like i know kelsey yeah. hatch is very upset about whenever we mentioned cal poly going and joining the WAC because she's like well i love my trip annual trip or every two-year trip whatever to cal poly and i go you're probably gonna play cal poly more because right now when we're scheduling these schools that we're not playing out of conference, but they're big sky teams. You're still going to do that. In fact, you're going to be more encouraged to do it. You're going to go so play UC Davis. Easy out. home and homes. Yeah, this is, like, this is easy home and home setups. In the future. Yeah, you're home and home with Dixie State, and you do a home and home with Cal Poly, and then you've got two of your games filled, and then you play. after yeah, then F- yeah. you
1: got your money game because yeah, they're going to be
2: game. they're going to be a lower conference. So you're probably going to schedule Southern Utah and Dixie State and Tarleton instead of playing like dayton or drake or you know duquesne to come out well you're gonna speaking pay of
1: Dayton guys. or drake that league you know one name that you and i have kept around is what does the university of san diego do yeah are they can, are they tempted by this on a football only level are they tempted to add some scholarships and yeah. you know come to this conference as a football member not not saying full-time because they, they'll never leave the wcc full time no. um but-
2: but, Get that football team yeah. going instead of paying the travel to Ohio and everywhere I else they got to go. They play,
1: you know where Stetson's at? Is Florida. Stetson. Stetson. Yeah. They play
2: Stetson. So, yeah, wouldn't it make way more sense to be playing Southern Utah, Dixie State, Cal Poly, UC Davis, Sac State, right. possibly NAU or Northern Colorado? Like if Northern right. Colorado and Tarleton State are your furthest games, West Texas a and some of the schools we've thrown around, um, I'd say that's a lot better than Stetson, Dayton, Duquesne. Or I, Duquesne's not; they're Northeastern Conference. But just the Patriot League as a whole, uh,
1: Marist. You know yeah. Marist is that upstate New York. Yeah, yeah. It's
2: like that doesn't make sense to be playing, and especially non-scholarship. Like maybe if you're a school that has a ton of money, um, and so yeah, you can you can pay for the flight and stuff. But I just don't get how you can offer non-scholarship. Because it's too expensive, yeah. but then you're paying for your team to go all these places, conference-wise. At that yeah. point, be independent and then just play West Coast teams every year. But yeah. um, there's, it would make there's sense a lot me. of
1: future, but I think we're going to see some movement here. Um, and the next, you know, we're going to find some things out. It won't, ha- it won't take place. People are wondering, it's not going to take place this year. It's not going to happen right away. No. Things like this happen a year or two in advance. Resets July one, which is fiscal years for most schools and conferences. So as of right now, Southern Utah regardless or sack fair, whoever else leaves the big sky. We'll still be in the big sky this spring. We have our schedule. Um, So don't be surprised if that's going to stay very, that'll stay the same, but it might happen next fall and be looking completely different. looking big sky.
2: Hey, and you know, we're talking what might be the catalyst for all this too, to help it all out rumblings, not confirmed that maybe the mountain West might be looking a little different here shortly. Differences, do they add a team to get back up to 12? New Mexico State, probably the number one pick there if they can't switch. I, I think Utah would be the number
1: one over New Mexico State potentially.
2: Yeah. But Or, now that you don't have to have 12 teams, do they decide to go the Sun Belt route and drop a team? Team most likely to be dropped, probably Hawaii or San Jose State. San Jose State would fit that whack footprint pretty well. And they don't seem to be super into their football program. So I don't think they would have a huge issue going FCS compared to New Mexico state that is trying. They're just really bad at it. You now have San Jose state, UC Davis, SAC state, Cal Poly, possibly San Diego,
1: Dixie state and Southern Utah. Like that's all. I think, think, uh, I think the West coast is going to look a little different FBS, FCS wise, um, Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different ways this could go. Nothing's pretty clear cut. I, myself, I usually have a pretty, I can kind of see where things can move. This can move a million different ways um, in the next little bit. No, the Pac-12 is not on anyone. So don't even think about that. We're talking Mountain West, Big Sky, Whack, The three other Division One West Coast conferences, minus the Big, and even the Big West and WCC can be looking different here. This yep. is gonna be, all, all conferences are affected except the Pac-12 moving forward. So keep an eye on how the West will be one.
2: Yeah. And, uh, once again, the big sky is well positioned to keep who they want and drop who they don't. They've got a really good chance. I feel like where the other mountain West is going to have somebody, I think voluntarily leaving that could hurt. Um, plus some other schools that just might need to leave financially. San Jose State, Hawaii. Big sky has the option of our strong programs other than Eastern right now, who knows what's going on over there are in good positions. Our yeah. programs that we kind of just took on as charity projects, per se. No, we did our deed when the Big West failed, and now we've, we'll pass mm-hmm. them on to the WAC and see if it can do any better. But I think the Big the Big Sky is in a great position to come out as the winner between the WAC, the Mountain West, and the Big Sky. Now, the WAC I, will win because they'll have football back.
1: But, I think we're all going to – I think we can all win in this. The Mountain West – Everybody we might be, I think everyone can win except maybe the Mountain West, depending yeah. on – who leaves and what and what yeah, who they there. can bring back in, yeah. yeah. But
2: all in all, it'll be good to have another SCS conference out west. It's yeah. ridiculous that that is what's happened. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it now. particularly, this news is only two days old, and this episode won't be out for probably 12 days. So people will probably be like, What are you guys talking about? All these schools have been announced now,
1: but yeah, um, yeah, as of October 3rd on Saturday, we have no idea, except maybe one. <laughs> So, so yeah. I sit here with the quad box watching Coastal Carolina, who I have fond memories of playing against, and Georgia State, you know, I'm bring back some Sunbelt memories. Coastal Carolina I have it right above Georgia State. Coastal Carolina, so I got my first tackle against Georgia State, was our last game in FBS, who we beat, by the way. We did. Cole Richardson first start. They're whooping up on East Carolina 20, 42 to 16 in the fourth quarter.
2: The home of Mike Houston, the former JMU yeah. coach.
1: I got, my la- I got a tackle at Georgia State last Special teams tackle for Idaho and FBS history, this guy right here. So, and that was, a again, a,
2: a Vandal coached team, correct? Their interim coach was a Vandal. No, that
1: was the year before. That was, that was the year before. That was the year they were going to a bowl game. So got some sunbelt action up. I still keep track of the Sunbelt. The Belt's a fun time. Oh, it's fun.
2: Hey, it's my no go-to Power 5 conference right now. App State, let's go Mountaineers. <laughs>
1: yeah, Coastal Carolina, who whooped up on Kansas, is whooping up on Arkansas State, who whooped up on Kansas State. So as far as I'm concerned, Coastal Carolina is the best team in the state of Kansas.
2: Facts, actually. <laughs> That's how, that works. That's, yep. exactly how That's that Boise is. State logic right there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, any closing thoughts before we uh, send it? I don't think so. All right. Well, it's uh, scheduled up next. So this episode, by the time you listen to it, we'll have a list of Charleston's episode dropping on October 29th. We also have Mike Sean Dugar, who's going to be on the books here shortly being recorded. Uh, then obviously it sounds like we might be finally getting the big stank. Maybe uh, Jerry Kramer, some other guys. But make sure you guys let us know who you would like to hear from. Uh, we want to give some serious shout-outs to our patrons, uh, our premium drink token patrons, Dave Ellison, Nick Weber, our tub token patrons, Nick Stutzman, and our tub card members, Dallas Hammer and Matthew Janicek. Uh, Thank you, guys. Both uh, Dave is new and Nick just upped his contribution. So thank you, guys. If you want to be a part of it and see all the extra benefits and everything you get, as well as just supporting us and helping keep it on and bringing interviews like this um check it out it's at patreon.com backslash tubs at the club pick a level that works for you have everything from like 99 cents up to nineteen and forty nine cents for the tub token they all have different levels of you know our gratitude and everything so check it out but we'll never have a payroll it's totally optional but i will say to the people that have done it thank you it has made us being able to be Able to do streaming and hosting and everything a lot less stressful because we are being able to be self sustained right now, which is awesome. But, um, yeah, so thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully, you enjoyed David Vibora because I mean, he's just electric and that was absolutely awesome. Um, yeah, that's it. Go Vandals! Oh, time for the go. In all the land to play this out.
1: Go, go Vandals.